How hard did you push it? Till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. This is Big C in Ashton. We are talking Stone Creek today. Very, very excited. Um, Peter Jacobson track, going to be a good one. Ashton, how you been, sir? Well, it's not uh, 90 plus degrees in my apartment anymore. It's actually kind of cooled down in San Francisco, so that's a pro. Um, I will be very blunt and say that I'm coming off of uh, two days of... uh, quote unquote team building activities, which to be clear, I'm not drive by shooting my employer. I appreciate the in-person component, but it's interesting. I'm extroverted. I talk for a living. I do a podcast, but man, just being around people and making small talk. I think we had 53 of the 70 members of our team in San Francisco. And obviously you, we've talked about this before. I hire recruiters. So I've hired pretty much all of those people and most of them have hired during COVID and have not met. So being like, you know, again, I'm not like making fun of it, but just like having the small talk of like 53 people and those activities and that stuff. Uh, I'm running on fumes a little bit here, but uh, we're not talking about recruiting processes, learning and development, insert tech buzzwords here. We're talking Stone Creek, which uh, I know it's done by your boy. And to be clear, we're not going to go back-to-back podcast where Chris just destroys Peter Jacobson. There is one example he'll talk about his least favorite hole where he can have his soapbox. But, man, uh, I'm excited because I don't know what I expected. But um, I guess for a kid from Atlanta who lives in Northern California, um, Stone Creek felt sort of like a golden tea course to me. But I mean that as as a compliment. It really sort of captivated my imagination. Uh, especially the back nine, but I think yeah, it was I'm, I think it was the one course that I undersold, and you felt yeah. like you got a, like you made money on, on that on that stock purchase um, yeah. because it again I think I have a little bit of jadedness towards courses that are built by Peter. Anybody that listens to this pod knows I'm very jaded when it comes to Peter Jacobson courses. And again, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to go nuts. Uh, I'll stand on my soapbox on my, my least favorite hole of the course. But it's just it, – I like Stone Creek for, the, for one reason, that it drains really well in rain. And we actually had to play in rain while we were out there. And the course did not soften up. Uh, you know, we weren't getting plug balls. The greens were rolling just as fast prior to the rain as it was after we got dumped on the middle of the rain or in the middle of the round. And so that's the one thing I really do enjoy about Stone Creek. It's it's a very dry course and a very wet uh, climate. So it, it's well designed in, in that aspect. And I will say out of Peter Jacobson courses, I do like about 70, about 70, 75% of this course. So, you know, I'm not going to rag on this. This is probably one of the better Peter Jacobson designs that, that I've played. There are, of course, the Peter Jacobson, um, you know, insert template holes 
that you see at every course that he ever designs. That makes me absolutely hate some holes, but um, I, I do think that it is it is a really great public track for a very, very reasonable rate. Yeah, and, and again, I think there's, and even though you're from the Pacific Northwest, I think the thing that it does, again, at least for me, but I'm sure even for you still, um, is, is there just something about the place, again, especially the back nine, that I think really, uh, really sort of captivates your imagination. Like there's a lot of like um, natural features, um, a lot of like very kind of grand trees. Um, I, I'm guessing, I mean, there's a lot of very dramatic land movement that actually feels quite natural. And so I think that checks off a lot of really interesting things. And I think we talked about last time we're at Chehalem. There's there's actually quite a few bad holes out there. Uh, there's really not. At, at Stone Creek, there's a couple holes that, I mean, my least favorite hole that we'll talk about, I, I disliked it because I had the wrong thing off the tee. Shout out to you, Zach, for not telling me what to hit in our match. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and the hole that you're going to talk about, Chris, like, yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the Peter Jacobs template hole. It's not great. It's really hard. Uh, but, you know, but if you really if you really go out there and say, hey, there's one bad hole, it's kind of a great captivating course that drains well. And it's like very affordable, especially at twilight. Sign me the fuck up for that. Right. Like I, I think honestly, looking back, um, I mean, we're going to remove Waverly for a second. Stone Creek is my favorite course that I played there. Uh, we're, we're talking about Tristing tree next week. Uh, really liked the playability components of Tristing tree, but I think like from a golf course perspective, give me stone Creek. It really kind of checked off all the boxes. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you challenges at all different levels and all different distances. I think that's one great thing. And, you know, there there are holes out there that are wide open and allows you to kind of hit it all over the place. You know, large ballpark situation um, uh, with, with very large fences that allows you to kind of keep the ball in play. Uh, and then there's going to be a lot of claustrophobic holes where you're going to step up to it and you're like, oh, I have to put a pin through a very tiny hole. Um, you know, I'm, I'm crocheting through this, uh, through this hole and it's, you know, it could be a scarf or I could end up making a monstrosity. And, and so it, it's one of those things I think, um, it, it creates challenges because if you know how to play it and you know, what shots you're supposed to be hitting. It's, it's a whole, you know, there's holes out there that are, that are very gettable, very scorable. Um, but then there's going to be holes that are just going to eat your fucking lunch and they're extraordinarily hard or, you know, maybe not designed properly to be able to, um, allow proper scoring, but, I, I do think all in all Stone Creek is probably one of the better representations of Pacific Northwest golf in the greater Portland area. Uh, one thing about Stone Creek, it is a little bit off the beaten path. If you are staying in, in Portland, uh, as me and Ashton uh, ran into when I was like, Oh yeah, it takes 25 minutes to get God, to the this golf was... course. This was the worst. Like, I love you, but this was the worst. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, he, so usually we it takes... We tell the story. We should tell, tell the story. story. So, yeah. usually it takes me... I planned out 25 minutes to get to the golf course, meaning 
We had a tea time for four forty-five. We leave at my 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 shop at four o'clock. We're gonna get there at four thirty at the latest. 15, 20 minutes to kind of get our bags, check in, get out to the first tee. You know, plenty plenty time. So, um, Ashton brought his new clubs that I built for him. We were getting them all dialed in, getting lies and lofts uh, checked and corrected and, and, you know, dialed in for him. And so four o'clock rolled around. I was like, I should probably Google how long it's going to take us to get there. At this point, I probably should have done that at 3.30 because we would have bounced out earlier than that if we knew there yeah. was going to be this substantial traffic that there was. My dumbass. And Chris, the other thing too that's important is like when I got there on Friday morning, you had like literally nothing on your calendar. Yeah, like there was there was no fittings or anything. Nothing. Sure, sure enough, like I mean, I think starting at about eleven o'clock, like you guys were people coming in doing everything from like hey could you fix this club to like someone who like booked a random fitting like i know that you had to kind of leave my session to go build the driver for a guy so the other component too is we were just picturing like there's not going to be a soul in there we're going to jam through this because we weren't being idiots like i'm not like hey it's like i'm not like let me hit 55 irons to prove the point we were jamming but like <laughs> it just turned out we're like ironically of course we get to the really important scoring stuff my wedges you're trying to get it dialed in and all of a sudden we're like oh if we leave like right now we're actually gonna like miss our tea time yeah and that was that was probably the the hardest situation was just like you know we I had to step away a few times we were just getting down to the last few clubs I had to you know, I Googled it. It said 45, 48 minutes, and this was at 4 o'clock. So we we're already going to be two or three minutes late. And we still had three clubs. So we spent 10 minutes jamming through your last three clubs, which in turn – I still don't even know if they're right. They're getting <laughs> close enough. We know the distances at least, but I don't think they're exactly where I want them to be. might have to hit up uh, your boy in, like, in San Carlos. Yeah, I might like, have to send you dog. to Vic and, and have you go, go see my guy. But, uh, yeah, it, it was – so we scrambled to get those dialed in as best as we possibly could. Uh, got in the car about four ten. We were going to show up just at five o'clock. Our boy Zach from Northwest Golf Guys was was coming out to play with us and our buddy Bradley. So on the way there, I'm driving like a madman. I mean, the one thing I would say my, one of my largest flaws, personality wise, is I don't like to be late and I don't like traffic. So when you combine the two. I become a very big dickhead and it shows while I'm driving. Cause I'm just like screaming at every person in front of us that they're driving slow or, you know, you, it, you just have a comment about everything. It, like, and, and the funny thing to me is like, I love you so much. And I said this to you, but like for someone who doesn't like to be late, we're always cutting it like a little too close. Like for someone who dislikes being like, you need to make it a mantra. Like start actually arriving 10 minutes early. Cause like we almost missed my flight last June. No, 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 we're, no Like no. dicking around eating Only fucking when I'm with soup. you am I late. Anytime, anytime. Oh, oh thank you. Yes. Well, what a privilege. I'm how exciting it is. That, hey, <laughs> that I this. can't count how many times in the Bay area I was there rain session, putting, and Ashton was running to the tee box from his car. Well, 
in fairness, you know, if my, if my employer listens to this, you know, oh, I guess we'll have a separate discussion, but you know, Chris would, uh, would book a little, like, uh, he'd get us like a two ten tea time on a Thursday. And, um, you know, that, uh, that, that doctor block in the afternoon is, you know, got to make it to that doctor's appointment. So yeah, dog. Yeah, for, for sure. Like definitely running to the team. Yeah. But the thing with what Chris does is, you know, he's like, okay, there's this intersection where there's like always traffic and I'm really hoping there's not going to be a fucking course there's going to be get up there. There's like six cars and all of a sudden Chris is just like, you got to go dog. You got to go. You got to be aggressive. I'm like, Chris, like literally, man, we're like eight cars back. Like, they can't hear you. Nobody can hear you but me. You're stressing me out. And the other thing we haven't even mentioned is I was playing on my Northwest slash NorCal Golf Guys match against plus 1.6 Zach. So, like, not exactly feeling super dialed. It's like, how far do the wedges go? Unsure. <laughs> uh, late to the tee time by 15 minutes being a total chode and showing up late. So, yeah, the heart rate was going, like, 140 BPM. And um, we, we got there late, in fact. And... Yeah, but, but but Chris with the little peanut gallery of like you got to be assertive, and then sure enough, we get to the stop sign. There's a car coming pretty fast. Chris, like Chris's new Passat, the wheels kind of like spin a little bit, and I'm like, oh good, like my my butthole was like pretty tight. Pretty, I was working, pretty, pretty I was tight. working the turbo hard. You were, yeah, but man, yeah, <laughs> definitely the the heart rate was going as we were getting onto the tee at, at I almost said Wolf Creek. Uh, at Stone Creek, um, man, yeah, you, you are a piece of work in the car. Only, only when I'm when I'm stressed and, and running late and there's traffic. That's the only time that I'm I'm that way. But I, if anybody knows me, I am very even keel about most situations. I'm I'm not a heavily aggressive person. I'm opinionated person, but I'm not a heavily aggressive person. Uh, and when certain situations come up. Big Bear, Big C comes out, and I I just start roaring at people, and yeah, so so that we we got there. Uh, Zach got our tea time pushed back a bit for us. Bradley was super chill. He was just uh, he was just hitting some balls and and putting around, and met up with Zach, and they were both sitting on the tee box when when we got there. And only tough scene really was you know we were playing four rounds in in four days so you know we were gonna take it easy and we were gonna we were gonna ride in a cart um first thing is i i get a cart for us while i'm walking away already paid for the cart the general manager of of stone creek then goes oh just so you know one it's cart path only Two, the cart has to be in by 845. Two things that would have been super cool to uh, give that info to somebody before they dropped cart money on a cart. Because as you guys know, I'm not much of a walker. But if I'm going to basically have to, which as we'll tell you guys, on the 15th hole, I had to literally jam out because it was like 844, bring the cart back to the cart barn, take my bag off of it, meet them, basically skip a hole, and then meet them on 17 to be able to like walk the last two holes with them. You know, it... 
What we probably should have done is we should have just returned the card after nine and then just walked the back nine. But I didn't think. But, but if y'all are curious at home, one, I did in fact see Chris with a golf bag on his shoulder, which is new to me. And also, if you're curious, no, the, the secondary strap was not fully attached. So as he's walking, he's like attaching the strap on. No, okay. The, the strap on the bag. Attaching the strap on in a, out of context sounds inappropriate. Uh, attaching the strap onto his bag. So, yes, Chris does carry his golf bag, but it was not super dialed and prepared for him to be walking. No, That's pretty, I'm fresh sure. Fresh bag. Shout out to Jones for uh, hooking your boy up at Club Champion with a. Uh, with a new freshie, uh, that's, quite literally a free ad right here. Yeah, free ad. Free, free ad. Uh, gave me a nice. For, little... To be clear, for Chris, I did not get a Jones bag, so not shout Ashton out to Jones. Did not. As far it's as me. shout out to the club fitter that works uh, two blocks from the Jones factory. So <laughs> got a little hookup for being in the neighborhood. But uh, scummy, 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 scummy. I, I do a lot of free <laughs> repair work for uh, for these guys and really hook them up. So they. It's an even trade. Okay, then let's get into Stone Creek. Then no more, no more free ads. Chris, you said you're we're going and we're doing our usual format or our new format. New format. We're doing uh, three favorite holes as well as our least favorite hole. You kick us off and tell us about number six. So, number six, really, really fun hole. Um, it's par three. Uh, from the tips, it's 180 yards. From where I play, it's about 165. Uh, really enjoyable par three. It, there's a lot of um, you know mind fuckery on this court, on this hole. You've got bunkers short left of this hole. Um, basically, the green runs kind of at a semi L shape to the left more of a kidney bean that kind of rounds, you know, front to back. Uh, there is a lake on the left-hand side, trees on the right-hand side, not a lot of place to bail out. You can hit it long left. That's probably the main, you know, area that you can bail out, but it, it's just a very challenging uh, par three that I think gives you Beautiful Pacific Northwest views with large trees, water, bunker, you know, kind of the whole the whole nine yards of what, you know, conduces a Pacific Northwest golf course. And, it, you know, the tee box is framed by these beautifully tall evergreen trees. It's just a it's just a, you know, kind of a picturesque hole. And, and I don't think that the green is a very challenging green. This one's more of an aesthetically pleasing hole than it is a extremely well-designed hole, in my opinion. It's just every time I step up to this hole, I just I feel at ease. It's not long, but it's not short. It gives you a bit of challenge with distance. It really makes you hit a golf shot out there because if you don't, you're going to hit it short into the bunker or into the water or you're going to blast it right into the trees and and then have kind of like a punchy wedge to kind of roll it up onto the green and it's just a really fun fun hole and that's the easiest way for me to describe it it's fun it's very pretty picturesque good hole 
and we'll, we'll give a shout out to, to Stone Creek on their website. They have uh, actually just uh, descriptions written by Peter Jacobson. And I thought it's worth noting that he says that, quote, in my opinion, this is Stone Creek's most beautiful part three. So what I'm hearing is that Chris and Peter are very much on the same page here. Um, Occasionally yeah, it's it'll very happen. beautiful. And I'll say it so you don't have to be scummy. Chris literally almost made a hole in one here. Like, I mean, like legitimately almost made a hole in one here. So it was a, we always kind of say like, how do you kind of break up, you know, your, how how you played versus a course, but I totally agree. It's a great hole, but he also almost dunked it. So it it was a good all the way around. And it was really raining at that point in the round. So like it was an impressive shot. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it landed. My ball mark was about three inches from the hole, and then my ball ended up about six inches from the hole. So, yeah, what wasn't bad. It was just a nice little tap in, tap in for bird, and and walking onto the next hole. It's it, it's again every time I step onto that hole, I think I've walked. I I probably play it under par more than I play it at par, which is pretty freaking nuts to say about a par three but there's something about this par three every time i go out and play it you know i play it well and i i mean i could look at my scores but i'll bet you my i'm averaging like two and a half two and a half strokes on average i'd like you to look at your scores i'd like that to be all good i'll do all the math for you and i'll I'll revert back next time we talk thank you i appreciate that yes i appreciate that you're welcome (laughs) The, uh, the the auditor over here. Uh, I will st- I will talk about my uh, one of uh, my first hole. Uh, it's actually the hole before that, number five. Um, I guess also we can it might be helpful. We can kind of read these descriptions. Uh, so hole number five, uh, Peter says uh, this is the toughest hole in the course, which I will say is very ironic because it's the ten handicap hole. So. I guess Peter and the you know USGA do not necessarily see eye to eye. Uh, this is the toughest hole in the course. The tee shot is framed on the left and right by Douglas Firs. There's a slight dog leg to the right, which is longer than the yardage indicates, and the second shot is uphill and plays longer than you think. There are a couple of bunkers on the right side of the green that may not be in view. The green is flat, yet has a subtle putting surface um yeah and i think that what i kind of liked about the architecture of this place in general is it's good architecture in the sense of there are obstacles whether it's you know in this case a dog leg that's kind of right where from my tees where i'd want to hit it so for example i kind of hit a really solid drive but a little bit of a shove for me as a lefty uh and i was blocked out a little bit um, still not a lot, but just a little bit by those trees. Um, again, right kind of in the landing area is this dog leg. And then as he said, I mean, I think he says it well, I, from where I was over on the left side, I didn't even see the right bunker, which I believe you hit it in Chris, which again is good, kind of a, a hidden obstacle for me. Um, and then again, he says it well, the, the green wasn't anything crazy, but I think that I had a, a pretty long putt and left myself like five or six feet just because I was like, huh, I didn't quite see that break. Um, so I think just think it's a really good hole because, you know, early on, uh, number one is a good hole, but kind of handshake. Number two is a, a bit of a challenging par three, but again, it's all kind of in front of you. And then number three, I think is where the course really kind of picks up a little bit where it's like, okay, wow, here's a dog leg and movement and hidden obstacles, which I think it's is kind of a big theme that we'll talk about. Kind of the time that you enter into the trees. 
when you yeah, get on the time. whole three. So, you know, on this course, one and two are very open. You don't see any trees on those two holes. It's no, it's you don't even think about the trees. No, it's wide open. It's kind of the same with nine and 10 and, and 18. There's not a whole lot of trees on those courses or those, those holes. Um, but one, one architectural design that I will give props to, to Peter for is a lot of his par fours and par fives that are on the, you know, in the inside of the course tree line, he designed them kind of to be like an hourglass shape. So you almost have this like wide opening from the tee box that kind of funnels down into a very narrow section with trees running along each side of it. And then once you get through that shoot, it widens open again for you to hit an approach shot, which I think is kind of a cool design. Um, and well, I will give Peter credit on this as well. Well designed uh, from multiple tee boxes. The challenge does not change from multiple tee boxes where, you know, I did complain on the last episode uh, that, he designs a lot of courses where he doesn't really give a shit about anybody that doesn't play the back tees where I think this, there was a lot of thought put into multiple tees on, on this course. And you create similar challenges from the the different tees, no matter where you're playing. Yeah. And 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 like you said, I think that um, when I think about this, I I did not think about this till you said it, but a lot of this course is kind of going in and out of the trees. And this is kind of where you go into like five and six are both like heavily wooded and then seven you tee off and you actually kind of tee off in the woods and kind of tee off into uh, open space and then eight is open and then nine is open. So I think it was just something captivating for me again, as someone who doesn't play a lot of Pacific Northwest golf, it's sort of like, Oh, we're going into the trees. And again, a pretty hard hole where I think I had a good driver and then probably I think had a, a good eight iron as well. Uh, so a couple kind of good shots early in the round. So very much like number five, um, Chris, next on your list is number nine. Uh, kind of a quirky hole. So tell me about number nine. Yeah. Number nine is um, number nine is really fun. So what, what I love about number nine, it's de- it designed to have two fairways. So you've got one that sits up on a ledge on the right hand side, separating the two fairways is a link of bunkers that kind of runs along uh, a ridge that separates the two bunkers and has multiple elevate or the two fairways that separates um, the elevations of the fairway. And so kind of, you know, you've got bunkers on the left-hand side that run along number one that kind of separate one and, and the first left-hand side fairway of this hole. And so, I mean, the play really here is to hit a really nice drive in between the two bunkers on the left fairway. And if you catch it correctly, it will catch a downhill slope. The hole plays at about 397. But if you can hit it about 250, 260 carry and catch that slope, it will run down to basically, you know, add an extra 30, 40 yards onto your drive, which then leaves you with, you know, just like a flip wedge into the, into the green if you take it on the right-hand side, you will have a bit better look at it if 
and there's a lot more open space to miss. But the thing is, you're now elevated. You're hitting over these bunkers onto the screen, and it, it creates a much longer shot. So taking the risk and going between the bunkers on the left-hand fairway is kind of the play there. But it, it's a very much a risk-reward hole because, as Ashton remembers, he hit it wide, wide left on this hole, ended up basically almost on the tee box of number one, and then got a very bad, um, you know, caddy call by our buddy, uh, our buddies that we were playing with, and they told him, oh, yeah, from where you're at, it's 140 every time, 140 every time. So Ashton's like, all right, it's an eight iron. Walks on, walks his ass over there, hits an eight iron. Icaritos the motherfucker over the green. <laughs> and then walks up and he goes, nope, you guys are wrong there. It definitely wasn't 140. I hit a 140 club and that did not go 140. And, I mean, it was like 30 yards over the green. It wasn't even close. Where I think if he hit a pitching wedge, he probably would have been a little bit in better shape. But, you know, he hit his 160 club that that ended up going 20 20 yards over and caused some issues where I think I flip wedged on there from my my drive and ended up birdieing that hole, uh, ending that even par for the front nine. Yeah, no, and again, I don't have like a ton of thoughts because I was essentially kind of largely out of the hole. But I mean, the one thing I will say is like, I got what I deserved. I mean, I hit like, because for, you know, this is me making excuses, but I was sort of going back and forth at the rain gloves, two rain gloves, one rain glove, and I just couldn't really get comfortable. And what I found out on eight and nine is I cannot close the club face with two gloves on. So basically I left the club face wide open, hit like a hundred yard slice. When you hit a hundred yard slice, you get what you deserve, but definitely a cool hole. I mean, the one thing I'll just say anecdotally is, you know, you said then, and you just said now that the fact that the, the two fairways looks cool, but the fact that the right fairway is like stupid and shouldn't be there, like I'd say is a ding on the architecture, but it does look cool. Um, and I do like how it kind of goes down to, to like a little shoot there. Um, and the starter shack by one sort of feels almost like uh, something you'd see like in Scotland or Ireland. Yeah, so it's very Bandon Dunes-esque. Yeah, there, there, so there's a lot of aesthetic appeal. But, um, yeah, just I feel obligated to say that the fact that there's a fairway that you shouldn't hit it in that's kind of stupid, that's the harder option to hit it on is sort of like maybe a bit dumb. But, you know, when I asked you why he did it that, you said he probably had the land, which is a very fair, you know, Peter's got to cash, cash those checks. Man, he's got to build that bunker. Yeah, and I can I can imagine too, if you had a bad shot into that bunker between fairways, you are boned. Oh, you're in those bunkers. It it makes it a bogey hole. Like that's the thing uh, where if you don't hit a good drive on that hole, you end up in those bunkers, which still leave you about a hundred yards out, uh, depending on where you're at. Num, I mean, if anybody's hit a hundred yard bunker shot on a slope to get onto a green. Not not an easy shot. I think only uh, somebody like uh, Matty Fitz could do that. But um, it, it's it's very very difficult. So you have to hit a good drive there, which I think is is cool because I mean you really could technically hit a hybrid or three wood, play it short of those bunkers, and and be totally fine with 150 yards in. Uh, and, and that's just it. All depends on how you want to play it. 
Yeah, a lot of options, um, which I think now that we're talking about this out loud, I mean, I think the the thing about Stone Creek is it really places a premium on hitting good tee shots. Whatever you choose, just really uh, really kind of placing a premium on that. Yep. And that takes me to number 12. Um, number 12, uh, the, the front nine is good. I think the back nine is a lot more kind of spectacular, kind of from a views and vista standpoint. That can also get us into some trouble, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but I really liked uh, number 12, which um, to read it, it says, you know, Peter says, this is a spectacular risk reward hole. I love how he put that in quotations if we didn't know what that is. Um, with wetlands on the left side of the fairway in the summer, hit a three-wheeler long iron in the winter, go with driver, stay to the right side to get the best approach shot. The green has a lot of movement with a bunker on the right side. So again, going back to what we were just talking about, about placing a premium on uh, your tee shot. Uh, if you go left, you're just screwed. You're into the wetlands. You know, you're going to have to drop. Uh, so you're definitely encouraged to kind of cheat along the right side. However, you know, if you hit it up into the woods, I, I would actually say it could even be worse than hitting it left because if you hit it over on the left side, you know, you can drop and at least have some sort of an angle where if you hit it up in the trees, it's just not very good. So again, it really places a premium. I think I had hybrid on this one that I kind of followed Zach's lead. Um, but you know, but then it, the thing I got to give him credit on is, you know, I know he says, ideally you hit a three wood or long iron in the summer, but it's just an uncomfortable tee shot. So I had hybrid, I believe I hit kind of a, a sawed off five iron in here and I didn't even get it to the green, uh, got it up and down for par, uh, but yeah, I mean, hybrid five iron is, is really hard. And, you know, again, I mean, I think Zach might've hit, hit iron. I mean, if we're talking about hitting like, you know, five iron, four iron in, it's just a really hard hole. Uh, cause also two up by the green, lots of undulation bunkers over on the right side. And then Zach actually kind of yanked his off the hill and he actually was on the hill, uh, even further right of the bunkers. Um, so just a lot of places you can't hit it, which again, there are definitely some open areas at Stone Creek, but I think like, you know, it's a pretty penal golf course if, if you're kind of spraying it all over the place. Um, and number 12 is a good example of that. Yeah, no, I think number 12 again is, is a very well-designed hole and exactly what you said. It's, it's different depending on when you play it as well and what um, what season you're playing it at. Uh, it plays much longer in the winter, much shorter in the summer. So, you know, you definitely change your approach to that hole dependent upon the, the time of the year, which I think is kind of a cool design and, and, and well well thought out in, in that, that aspect. Yeah. And also, again, similar idea of what we're talking about of kind of running off to a stretch of holes. Uh, 12 is kind of like 12. Well, we'll have issues with this, but, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 is really kind of all in a similar vein, uh, you know, to kind of bury the lead. A couple of our least favorite holes are in the stretch, too. But uh, you can definitely kind of see 12, 13, 14, 15 being in the same kind of family of idea of a hole. Um, and kind of 12 is again, one that kind of kicks off that idea. Um, but Chris, your kind of third and final hole, uh, you wanted to talk about is, uh, is number 17, which as Peter says on the write up is the toughest driving hole in the course. Don't know if you agree with that, but he said that it's the toughest driving hole in the course. Um, I don't disagree with it. Uh, main thing for me is that. You do need to put your ball in a proper position closer to the right-hand side of the hole, you know, kind of running along the trees. 
um, that will then allow you to have more room on the on the left hand side to be able to um, be able to have a bit of a miss if you do need to if you're approaching the green on your second shot because you have a big lake on the right hand side of this green you don't really have any bunkers that are going to cause you any issues there are actually zero bunkers on this hole at all it's one of the only holes out there that doesn't have a bunker and it if you hit it anywhere right on your second shot you're in the you're in the lake there there is zero room on the right hand side which you have a bit of a bailout on the left between the between the cart path and the green but if you're far enough right and you play a fade like myself, you just aim for the left side of the green, fade it in, you're good to go. If you're a bitter, bit of a drawer of the ball, it's a little tough because if you leave it, if you leave it out and your draw doesn't come to play, you're probably going to end up in the in the lake. So it's it all depends on how you play the play the shot but i think it's a very risk reward second shot which is kind of the reason why i like it you know everybody knows i like multiple options i like you know that bit of a risk reward and it demands a very good tee shot off of the off the tee so i think with that and then having that bit of risk reward on the end it's just very another good well-designed hole yeah, and, and, and the creek there makes it like uh, it, it's really beautiful yeah. and a big, big part of the approach shot. Yep. The only thing that's interesting, and maybe I just murdered my drive. I think I did a really good drive there, but it is when it is sort of feels like winter with all the rain. Uh, it says here, or Peter says that the reason why it's going to be so challenging is getting a mid to long iron. I think I had a gap wedge in here, so uh, I didn't think it was a very hard hole because I had driver gap wedge, and you know, for me, it works for my shot shape, but. You know, if you're one of those people who's having like a six iron into that green, I think you're probably just going to bail way out to the left and hope to make par. So, uh, but again, really uh, agree with you there. Um, the final one for me is number 14. Um, you know, he says hole 14 is a beautiful short par three with a tiny postage stamp green. Um, play a short iron or wedge to the green, which is 15 to 18 yards deep. Their front left pin position is enough to scare even the best players. Um, really beautiful. I mean, again, there's a lot of like protected wetland and you kind of actually walk through that on a bridge as you kind of go to the green. Uh, this is where I got to give a shout out to Zach because I did not know this, but, you know, basically he said there's kind of a, a big mound because uh, it's a force carry, but again, it's a very kind of short hole. But there's a mound kind of behind the green, and Zach actually, I, he went first, and he basically flew it up on the hill and kind of sucked it back. Um, I did the same. So actually, I had like a three-footer, four-footer for, for birdie. Um, but it's a really cool hole. And, you know, and also, too, I, I sort of love when a hole, it's not, you know, I, I like obviously to get rewarded for good execution, but there's something fun about like, it, you know, how it's going to come off the hill, right? Like, what, like, as we've kind of said a lot, watching the ball on the ground is, is quite fun. Um, so I just really liked that hole. Um, and, and I'd also just be curious, you know, I've said this a bunch, but would love to kind of see that place, especially when it's a little crispy. Cause I'd, I'd be so curious to know if you play it too far up the hill, 
I could I could see balls actually sucking all the way off the green, like getting going down that hill too fast, um, and potentially going off the front. So, just a really really cool hole, um, and again, just like absolutely beautiful because again after the rain, you know the trees, it just felt you know the way the light was kind of coming off the the water and the trees, um, just a really really beautiful uh, and captivating hole. But after fourteen, Chris, we get to your least favorite hole, hole number fifteen. Why do you dislike this hole so much? I dislike this hole because it's the fucking Peter Jacobson template. It's it's the hole anytime we've ever talked about Peter Jacobson courses, this is the hole I'm fucking talking about. Basically, off the tee, first you have a blind tee shot. You can't see any of the fairway of where you're going to land it. So for a newcomer like Ashton, and of course Zach being in the match isn't going to tell Ashton this, because he knows how long Ashton hits it. If you hit it long left, you're done. Your ball is OB. It's it's going to be absolutely toast. If you hit it long, like straight down the middle or slightly on the right-hand side in the summer, that ball is going to jettison right down the hill, right into this little creek that runs along the front of the end of the fairway. Um you've got about up to 270 to kind of roll it down that hill and, and get in there. You're on mute, sir. You did me. You did what I did. Oh, my bad. Aren't you describing number 13? Number 15 is one of the huge Valley. I mean, that's totally fine. I can talk about number 15, but aren't you talking about number 13? My apologies. They're, they're both no, my keep, least keep favorite holes. Please, so yeah, keep, I'll talk keep, about keep, 13. Keep then. You talk about 13. So guys, yeah. my apologies. We pulled the poppy oh, hills good. here. Um, so, oh God, which router did you start on? The long one, the short one, the front one, the back one, the part five, the one that's facing the orientation of the north or the south? So, no, so for context, Chris is talking about number I'm 13. talking about 13. My apologies, 13 oh, and good. 15 both have you were doing ravine. an excellent job at talking about number 13. Yeah. I was just like, that's not the hole I remember. I don't have it in front of me. My apologies, guys. Um, uh, but 13 is is they're both similar holes but 13 gives you that blind carry and it does come down into a ravine but the difference between 13 and 15 and ashton will talk about it a little bit more on 13 you've got this cart path that runs along the front there's a little river uh that or creek that runs before the cart path and you're basically hitting your second shot uphill very very steep graded hill to be able to carry about 30 feet 40 feet probably about 30 feet up this hill to an elevated green that slopes back to front so it's just like it's one of those second tee or second shots if you get lucky enough to hit a good shot to be in the fairway you're now hitting the ball down you have a downward slope that you're hitting the ball off of, meaning that the ball, your your feet are, your back foot is going to be higher than your front foot, which means that you've got to put it back in your stance, try to get some loft on the fucking club to be able to get it high enough to get up the ravine. It's just a very challenging shot. And for a golf course, it's a publicly accessible golf course that – 90% of people that play here are going to be probably over a 10 handicap. It's really, really horrible design and creates 
kind of a bottleneck when you play there on the weekend between that hole and between 13, 14, 15, it's kind of a shit show when you get to those because they're all very tight holes, very difficult, and they're just very poorly designed. It, it just and it also looks like the land might have forced him to design these because there is no other land in this area for them to put any more holes. Like they maximize the land opportunities that they had for this property. So those ravines were probably in existence and just fell into the template of Peter Jacobson. But it, it's just it's a fucking miserable hole. 13 is an absolutely miserable hole. You know, you you have to hit that blind tee shot and then hit a downhill, you know, lofted club to be able to run it up there. And usually the the play is you club way up, you hit a hybrid or you hit a four or five iron and you hit this like punchy runner that you just slam into the hill and hope it has enough speed on the ball for it slamming into the hill and just rolling up, which I think, me, Brad, and uh, and Zach all kind of did that, hit the hill, and kind of steamed it up there. Yeah, I sort of barfed on myself. But, um, yeah, I mean, Zach actually pointed out that, you know, the there's a white stake, uh, which actually is sort of telling you where to aim. But it's literally almost in the tree. So it's just like – It looks like you're hitting aim- right into the trees. Yeah, which for me, if I hit a pole, then you're actually into the tree. So as you said, it's just a really hard hole. My issue with the design of it is purely like I like options, and it's it, essentially I hit driver, and there was no reason. You know, shout out to Zach for not telling me the the match play component. Um, you know, but I think the big thing is just like it's just um, you need to go like two thirty and then two fifteen, which is a little gimmicky and a little dumb, and certainly a hole that you're hoping to just get out of there with a par. Um, Especially but at fifteen, a par as Chris four. said. Especially at a par Totally. Totally. And then as Chris said, 15, very similar idea. I think 15 is a fundamentally harder hole, mainly just because I hit, I hit kind of a, uh, not a slice, but I sort of a, I hit kind of a, a cut kind of over on the left side of the fairway in play. And I was excited about that. But then the issue was from there is like the angle on the left side is absolutely screwed. So the big thing is if you're if you have and again I, I want to like you know, give a kudos for if you hit a good tee shot you should be rewarded for sure. But basically if you're anywhere to the left side of the fairway, you almost have to lay up on a par four, which is I mean pretty dumb, right? I mean I think what they need to do probably is remove some of those trees over on the left side so it's a little bit more accessible. Um, you know, and then also just to rant for a second, also because of the cart path, for example, I went over there having no idea I was being blocked out, had a hybrid in my hand, and then I was like, well, let me just like chip a hybrid over here to kind of, and then I hit it too far, hit it into the crap. Um, a really good kind of interesting green, but yeah, I mean, I think the way to, I mean, really the only way to make that hole sort of like good and fun and accessible is to sort of hammer a driver on the right side of the hole near the cart path and then have probably still like a six or seven iron in. I mean, it's just, it's a really, 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 really hard hole. And again, to your point, real 13 being hard and tricky, 14, as I said, 14 short and not that hard, but like, again, if you're a 12 handicap and you can't hit a, a you know, a nine iron over the water, you're going to be sitting there all day. And then you get to 15, which is like long, bad angle and bone zone. You're just talking about three holes like that, that can just bring pace of play to a grinding halt. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the play I don't, I don't particularly like. And, and the one thing with, with that whole, um, with 15 is it's just, it's not a well-designed design hole. I mean, with, with that, you basically, you basically have to, you know, it, when players, locals are telling you that you have to hit into the trees towards the cart path and let it trickle off of the hill into the fairway. And that's how you play the hole. It's a fucking poor design hole. Like you should never hit it basically trying to go OB to get it in play, that makes no fucking logical sense as, as a golfer. And you talk to any locals, they're like, yeah, and when it's dry out here, you hit it right into those trees and it'll roll right into the fairway. And it's like, what? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. But that's kind of how this hole has to be played because even when you do hit a very well tee shot or very well hit tee shot, in the summertime, your ball can still get ejected straight into the straight into the shit on the left. So you almost have to play that slope on the right hand side to kind of slow your ball down. So being a yeah. fader of the ball, it helps me on this hole because I'm basically fading it into the slope, which slows my ball down, and then it just trickles into the fairway. So if you yeah. are a fader of the ball or you hit it left to right. It's a decent decent play for you, but if you don't hit it left to right, it's a very, very difficult hole. Yeah, but hey, look, I mean, like we said, for you know, for for as affordable it is, as affordable as it is, if you have you know one hole that's just you know a little bit hard, you try to make bogey and get get out of there. Like overall, I think Stone Creek is uh, a big gigantic thumbs up because our usual stuff greens were good. Um, amenities were nothing to write home about, but are, are totally fine. I mean, again, we got there at like five o'clock, so we didn't see like the kitchen in full swing. They seem to have like a nice bar and grill area, but again, nothing out of the the ordinary. Uh, we had no pace of plays issues because we got out there at five o'clock. Um, you know, the, the staff was not super friendly. Like, I mean, granted, we were the last people on the golf course, and I know we were late to our tea time, but like. They clearly wanted to like lock up, and they were like waiting on us. There, like we were one of two groups on the entire golf course. So, one thing I will give them feedback about is like be friendly to a group of guys that just dropped two hundred dollars in the rain to come out and play. Just saying, like instead of being grouchy, or just close the course, right? Like if you don't want us out there, just don't. And it was very obvious when we were walking off the course that the general manager didn't greet us. No, he was very upset that we were still here, and, and yeah. it was he. You know, if, if it was, and, and it was, it was like nine fifteen. But like, I get it though. But like, you run a golf course. You're a general manager of a golf course. Like, yeah. your hours are going to be long. You chose this career path, so yeah. it, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I, I get it in on both ends, but it's also just like be a little bit more friendly. Because yeah. you, yeah, and, and so well, 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 and it's the same vibe he gave you of like I, th- I think that as someone who's a little bit less grouchy and, and friendly, probably would have said, "Hey, just so you know, we have you know car pass only today." Like the like the same idea. Like he was not there, like he was not there to give you customer service. No, right? 
And, and that's that's the thing. I walked in and I, you know, I told them, hey, our buddy Zach said we were going to be late and they're, they're out there. And he goes, yep, they're already on the tee box. You guys need to pack up and go. Like, oh, I, I get it. I apologize. We're 15 minutes late. I There's also no one out on the golf course. So we weren't tying anybody up. Like, yeah. Zero also, a side people. note, especially if you're a public course, do you need a gate? I hate to be that way. Like, do you need a gate? Like, if someone's gonna like run a, their car all over the golf course, they're probably gonna find a way around the gate. Like, I don't know. The whole idea of like they have to be there to lock up. It's like, just go home, man. Like, we can let our, we can see ourselves out, right? I mean, there's plenty of courses in the in the Portland area, like East Moreland and Rose City, that don't have locks on their courses that don't have issues with that yeah but overall i would say again you know this is uh like i said this was this was my favorite of the courses and you know chris eventually one day when i come play you know i'm excited to see uh, allegedly these places get crispy and no rain i I didn't say that but but stone creek really kind of you know we're we're a week out and i can definitely still see stone creek in my head i really really enjoyed it it's a fun course and if anybody is in the portland area Make the little extra drive to go out to Stone Creek. It's it's worth it if you're trying to find a course that's of that caliber under six under seventy five bucks. Because yeah. you can find courses that are a little bit better, um, like the Reserve and and Pumpkin things like that, Langdon Farms, that are you know going to be in that premium hundred dollar range, you know seventy five to hundred dollar range, but for me and Ashton with a cart walked out of there for 95 bucks. And I feel like that was a really, really reasonable rate. Um, because I mean, if you were walking, I think, um, Brad and Zach paid like 38 bucks, 38 bucks for 18. Fantastic. I very, very, very much regret writing, but you know, again, like you, you, you live and you learn. <laughs> I was just glad to play with, with with us being late, but yeah, man, definitely excited to get out there uh, again. You definitely have kind of a, a really great, a really great course there, and I can definitely see why that place gets a lot of love. And uh, it's in Oregon City, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's in Oregon City, um, which is just southeast of portland but this is even more like this is at like the bottom tip of oregon city so you're you're almost in what's called estacada um and and that's a little small town in in portland and it's i mean in traffic if you're in downtown Portland, it's about 45, 50 minute drive. If you're dealing with traffic, if there's no traffic and it's a clear day, hey, 35. If, if you're at the club, if you're at the club champion and Tiger with traffic, it's about forty five minutes. So everyone knows. Now, no matter so where you're coming good. from in traffic, it's going to take forty five minutes. minutes. Uh, just because yeah. it's two lane roads, once you get off the freeway there, and there's there's yeah. no way of getting around it because it's kind of tucked deep off of you know the beaten path. So, but for yeah. the rate, again, it's a very small uh, clubhouse, small um, amenities, small shop. Um, I would definitely say be a little bit more welcoming to guys that are going to come out and play in the rain that you're not, you probably had about 30% capacity of people playing on that golf course that day. 
So mm-hmm. um, I would definitely say that. But that that's my only hang up. And I've never had issues going out to Stone Creek with anybody kind of being grumpy or, or being dick other than that time. And I guess it's a little warranted. We were... We were late to our tea time and and all that, but I I don't know. I, I just think a little bit of uh, friendliness and customer service goes a long way. Yeah, overall great day, and this is all I'll say. I beat Zach four and three. Moving on to the next round. So, Zach, really fun. I cannot believe I finally have never, never played golf with with Zach, but to uh, to play Zach at what is uh, considered to be a home course walk out the W. Uh, feels pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, but yeah, Chris, excited next week to talk about um, not Tristan Tree, as I keep wanting to call it, Tristan Tree uh, down in Corvallis, which is uh, AKA again the, the kissing tree. Yeah. Um, and, and no, there's an actual story there, but, uh, yeah, equally as good, just in a very different way. So I'm excited to talk to you about that next week, my man. Yes, sir. Right. Take it Peace. Easy,